All right, everyone, welcome to my first actual episode uh, of the Radical Thoughts podcast. Uh, last week, I gave it a shot, and I said, um, a lot. Uh, that was the main criticism that I got. And so this episode, I'm going to try not to say, um, as much. Obviously, this is my first real episode where I'm not really going to try to mess around with it, but I'm actually going to try to make this a real episode. So I'm going to do my very best not to say um in this. So without further ado, let me introduce the topic to you guys. Today, I will be talking about the Oscar results. Um, a couple days ago, the Oscars were held. We got to see the awards for the best pictures, uh, the best, I think, visual effects, uh, best lead actors, actresses. But this article is focusing on just one specific piece of the Oscars on, what was it, February 24th, 23rd, one of those days. I think it was the 24th is when the Oscars were held. But today I'm going to focus mainly on the Oscar winner of the best motion picture of the year, which was Green Book. Um, so yeah, that it was actually quite a shock compared to the other nominees for the best picture. Uh, the other ones were, I, I know, Bohemian Rhapsody, Black Klansman, Black Panther, Roma, and I think I'm missing one more. I'm going to have to go on IMDb or something to look up the last one. Yeah, I can't remember. But I was not expecting Green Book, mainly because Green Book was released later in 2018. I feel like it didn't have that much movie time or show time in the theaters for us to really know if it was the movie of the year where something like black panther was released i think back in may may or june and that one had a lot a lot more time to uh reach the audience and get reactions and opinions and so i feel like Either that or even Black's Klansman, which was released in August, had more theater time where we could figure out if it was actually the the movie of the year. But Green Book came out a little bit later. And so I feel like it's a little controversial that I was picked. But like I said, we're going to dive into that and uh, we're going to figure out, well, I'm going to tell my opinion <laughs> on what I think about the Green Book winning. So if you're keeping up with the post-Oscar news, uh, then you know that too many people aren't pleased with the results of that night, especially conservatives. The night was filled with, uh, obviously, the leftist political agenda. This was the first year that I watched the Oscars, and I don't know. I It was not what I was expecting, I guess. I guess I was expecting it to be more entertaining, funnier. It was boring. I felt like it was really boring. I didn't know that they were all going to be speaking from a teleprompter. And yeah, so that kind of just threw me off guard because I thought it was going to be a lot more interesting. I didn't know it was going to be as sophisticated and serious as it was. I guess I was comparing the Oscars to the Grammys, which the Grammys is completely different than the Oscars. The Grammys is a bunch of so-called rich musicians, in air quotes, who think that they rule the world and flash their their jewelry and their personalities whereas the oscars was i feel like the complete opposite these are actually sophisticated real professional people who care about the world and their careers so 
and it makes them more credible. If the Grammys, which there's been years where the Grammys have been political, I think this last year's Grammys was uh, mostly focused on the topic of women and their role in the world with Michelle Obama, Alicia Keys, Jennifer Lopez. And it kind of just, you can't really take it seriously because it's the Grammys. The Oscars was focused, if you've seen the Oscars, you know, it was focused mostly on uh, the, uh, I don't even know what to call it. There's so many different phrases for it. White privilege, uh, black oppression. It There's so many different things for it. Let's just say it was focused around black people and their perspective on what they call white America and how that's portrayed through movies. So anyways, yeah, if you watched it, then you know that a lot of conservatives, and if you're conservative, um, you probably didn't like it. Um, and it was just kind of a, I, I don't just the, the left is constantly shoving their agenda down my throat. It doesn't matter where I go. I, I would watch the Oscars and then I'd be like, Ooh, glad that I can take a two to three minute break watching the commercials. And then they throw it at you in the commercials and it's like, okay, I get it. I get your, your perspective, your agenda, what you're trying to tell me. You don't have to keep repeating it over and over again and think that I'm finally going to get it the fifth or sixth time that I hear it. So, but I really thought that it was going to be something funny. Look, the Oscars. I the first person that I saw when I turned on the TV was Paul Rude. I think I came in like a half an hour, hour late. I don't really know when the Oscars started. I didn't even mean to watch the Oscars. I just showed up to my friend Trevor's house and he was watching it and I just sat down and watched it with him. But I when I saw Paul Rude, I thought it was gonna be way more interesting. And then I thought saw that he was watching or he was reading off his words off of a teleprompter and I was like, Oh, that's kinda lame. Um, so yeah, I didn't know that the Oscars were extremely boring and the orchestra was boring. And even when the actors and actresses went off script, it was cringy and hardly understandable. I mean, Samuel Jackson just walked up on stage and completely ruined the whole professionality of the, the vibe that night and talked about basketball and was yelling at Spike Lee, who was sitting uh, close to the stage in the audience. Um, and then another thing that I just wanted to point out, Lady Gaga was pretty much crying throughout the whole thing for reasons I don't know. Uh, was she sad? Was she happy? Was she depressed? I don't know. She was crying a lot. And she was wearing a $30 million necklace, um, which is almost the budget of her film, A Star is Born, which is why she was at the Oscars. And that is crazy. It was a beautiful necklace, but... The, I think the problem that the conservative side has a problem, the reason why they have a problem with that is because the left, and Lady Gaga is a part of that left. I don't know how far into the left she is, but she is part of the left. The left is always demanding economic equality for America, yet they don't want to give up their rich lives. And so it's just hypocritical, and it's just funny to watch Lady Gaga stand in front of millions of people watching. I think it was millions I don't know, millions of people's lives wasted <laughs> in those three hours. She was wearing a $30 million necklace 
And yeah, it's just funny how hypocritical it looks. Um, fun fact, that necklace is 23% of Donald Trump's net worth. Donald Trump is worth $1.3 billion. And her necklace is 23% of that. That is a lot. That is a lot of money around draped around her neck for one night. I'm a little jealous, honestly. Um, before I continue, sorry, I have a cold. So I'm a little stuffy. My nose is runny. So I'm doing a lot. And I'm drinking something. So if I stop to take a drink, sorry. Um, all right, back to the Oscars. It wasn't the performance that was outstandingly disappointing. Uh, it was the results and the speeches of the night. I really didn't like the speeches given. The The directors and producers <laughs> looked very cringy up there, um, let me say. Like they've never spoken in front of people before. One guy's hands, I can't remember who, which director or producer it was, when he won the Oscar, his hands were literally shaking. Actually, I think it was, I think it was the director for the Green Book. I think it was... What's his name again? Peter Farley. If that's how you pronounce his last name. His hand was shaking like crazy when he was standing on stage. So he was either off of some really intense drugs or he's never spoken in front of a big crowd like that before. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Spike Lee, his, his voice was shaky. I couldn't follow along. I knew it was something about oppression in black history. Um, I was watching or actually I was listening, sorry, to Ben Shapiro and his, I think it was like an exclusive podcast with uh, Andrew Clavin, uh, Michael Knowles and Boring and they were doing their, their thing on the Oscars and they were talking about, I think it was them, they were talking about how Spike Lee, it might not have been them, okay, so don't, don't take my word for it, because now that I think about it, I don't think it was them. But somebody I was listening to was talking about how Spike Lee just skipped a bunch of decades from oppression in the 60s to Trump's reaction to Charlotte, North Carolina. And how that was a little annoying that he would just skip that whole thing and try to come try to compare Trump's reaction to Charlotte to the sixties when obviously they, they don't compare. I mean, you'd be stupid to say that the racism today is comparable to racism in the sixties. They don't compare. That's just that they don't compare. I don't even have to go into that. It's common sense. But with the whole Oscars aside, I'm going to talk about the Oscar winner of Best Motion Picture of the Year, which was Green Book, as I stated before. And it was a surprise to me. Um, I actually never saw it. I didn't go to see it in the theaters. It looked interesting. I do like dramas. Dramas are, are interesting to me. I, I like them because they actually tell a story. And I like the character development and they're, they're just more real. You know, you go to see superhero movies and it's the, it's really the same thing in every single superhero movie. But you, you go to a drama and the dramas are are different and they, they vary. It, it, a drama you can make about the upper class, the lower class, a black man, a white man. It doesn't matter who it is. Everybody can fit into a drama. Everybody can relate to a superhero movie. 
uh, I think dramas are more relatable and they're they're more appealing to general public. So I I never saw it. I did want to I did want to go and see it. I don't think I it was either I just didn't get the chance or I don't know. I just wasn't in the movie watching mood. But I did watch it this morning, and I did like it. I'm I'm, I'm about to criticize it, but. Before I criticize it, I just want to say that I did like it. It is a good movie. My argument in this podcast is not whether or not Green Book is a good movie. It's whether or not it deserved the Oscar winner of Best Motion Picture of the Year. Okay, you put that in your put that in your minds and keep it there for the rest of the podcast. Green Book was a good movie. I'm not criticizing the movie for what it was. I'm just questioning whether or not it is the truly the Oscar winner of the best motion picture of the year. So it was directed by Peter Farley. I've never heard of the guy. I'm really not into directors. Uh, I'm going to look him up just to see what, what else he's made. Let's see. What else have you made? Oh, dumb and dumber and everything else. I've never seen. So it looks like he's mostly a director of funny, stupid movies. It looks like Hall Pass is on here. It looks like he really likes Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's on here in a few of these movies. Um, but none of them are worth mentioning <laughs> at all. And he's kind of outdated. I think the last movie that he made before Green Book was Dumb and Dumber 2 in 2014. Nope, it was the leader class, 2015, which no one's ever heard of. So the the last movie that people heard of by Peter Farley was Dumb and Dumber 2, which failed. But anyways, Green Book was directed by him. And look, I don't know if you've seen Green Book. There's obvious spoilers ahead. So if you don't want to be spoiled, go watch the movie. Come back to the podcast if you don't care, which you shouldn't care because the movie spoils itself within the first mm, 15 minutes. <laughs> so... I'm just going to give a quick synopsis of what the movie is about. So it's about two, two men, obviously one white, one black. Um, and they go on a journey through the deep South in 1962, doing a concert tour. Um, actor Vigo, Vigo Mortensen, uh, if you would recognize his face from Lord of the Rings, he plays Aragorn in all three films. And in this film, he plays Tony Lip, an Italian nightclub bouncer who needs a job since his place of employment closes for a few months. Um, and two months without pay is a long time, so he's recommended to apply as a driver for mysterious Dr. Don Shirley. And Dr. Don Shirley, played by Mahershala Ali, turns out not to be a doctor like we thought he was in the first five minutes or ten minutes of the film. Um, I think he has a doctorate in music and psychology, if I'm if I remember the movie correct. Uh, he's actually a musician and he plays the piano. Quite impressively, I might add. So the two-hour film, it's about two hours and ten minutes long, brings us along the journey through the racist South, and as the film progresses, the it becomes more and more like racist as it goes on. Um we discover pretty early in the film that Tony Lip is also a racist. And we find that out pretty quickly. 
a few black workers come over to his apartment to work on the house. They're doing carpet cleaning, plumbing. I can't exi- remember exactly. I just know they were in the kitchen with Tony's wife and she got him some water and they drank from their cups and she put them in the sink and Tony didn't like that. And so he secretly threw the cups in the trash and she later, later discovered, didn't say anything, didn't make a big deal out of it, took the cups out of the trash, put them back in the sink. Already we know Tony doesn't like black people simply because they put their mouths on his cups. So we have an established conflict. Tony's racist and he's going to drive a black man down into the deep South and he's got to get over his racism somehow in the course of two months. So how's a racist white man going to drive a sophisticated black man across the Midwest without losing his mind? How? Well, I knew, and I didn't even need to rewatch the remaining hour and 45 minutes, but I did because like I said, it ended up being a great movie and I was curious, but the movie is so predictable and it's not original. Now I know it's based off of a true story. And it's it's hard to add twists and suspense to true stories. Sometimes true stories are bland. So don't make a movie about it if it's a, just a bland story. <laughs> yeah, it's a good story. It's a it's a nice bar lounge story that I'd want to hear if I was just lounging at a bar and somebody it was open mic night. But is it worth a movie? My opinion, no. Can you make a movie out of it? Yes, and they did. But is it such a good movie that it deserves best picture of the year? Um, no. <laughs> Cut. Clear. No. And I think anyone who has seen a movie before would also know that this movie really isn't deserving of this picture of this award for best picture. Uh, people are obviously going to disagree with me because it's that intersectionalism. He's a black gay man. Boom. If he's black and he's gay, best motion picture of the year. That's not what makes a best motion picture. We don't, we don't care what his personal life is. <laughs> this movie isn't about his personal life. Movies about a concert tour. <laughs> so, we already know what it's going to be like. I knew what it was already going to be like 15 minutes into it. I mean, what do you, what do you expect? You got a Italian nightclub bouncer who isn't afraid to throw people out of his club and just beat the living crap out of them. And so what is he going to do on this tour? He's probably going to beat a, the crap out of a couple of racist white guys. And then he and this black pianist are going to become friends at the end. And what do you know? I was right. After a few minor conflicts, the two men did get to know each other better. And Tony starts to like and respect Dr. Shirley. There's a few bumps in the road, but the movie continues. I mean, all that happened was they have a few run-ins with the police twice. We find out at a random and unnecessary moment that Dr. Shirley is gay and captured by YMC. YMCA security. I'm going to stop right there. The fact that Dr. Shirley is a gay character is completely irrelevant to the whole film. 100% irrelevant to the film. 
we did not need to know that fact at all. I didn't care <laughs> if he was gay, straight, bisexual, confused. I don't care. I'm not watching this movie for a gay black man. And so I just think it's odd that they would throw throw in such a random thing just to broaden their audience. I mean, you look at past films, they didn't need to, to use that to widen their audience. I think of past Oscars, and they did just fine without, without it being about somebody's gender or sex, their sexual orientation. The Hurt Locker won Best Picture. We, we didn't care if they were gay or straight. That's not what it's about. It's a war film. And this movie's about racism. It's not about homosexuality. So good for good for you, Peter Farley, I guess, for throwing that in there, making me feel uncomfortable as a, a naked black man lays on the shower floor in handcuffs. You'd have to watch it. It's really not as bad as I just made that sound. Um, but anyways, back to the, the movie. Tony pays the police or the YMCA security to let Shirley go. Uh, and Tony bumps into some friends who want to distract him with more money than the doc is paying him. And so the doc gets fearful that he's going to leave him because the doc is starting to, to like Tony as a friend. Um, but he declines the, the men. Surprisingly, actually, that is the only part where I wasn't wasn't sure what what, what he was going to do uh and then dr shirley turns down a show towards the end of the movie because the owner of the restaurant wouldn't let him in at the same place he was performing and that was like the climax of the film that was like the most riveting moment of the film and it was also at the end and it was also like the shortest scene in the film so and those are only a few highlights of problems but in almost every single one of them Tony saves the day with either his fist or his wallet. So best, best picture of the year goes to a bland movie, I guess. Lost my spot. So the question that I want to answer is, is it, is it qualifiable to be the best motion picture of the year? Obviously, no. And here's why. It's not a culture-altering story. Many movies aren't, and they're still good. I've seen countless good movies, great movies, but never once did I think, wow, this can be the best picture of the year. Because, in my eyes at least, people get different opinions. In order for a picture to be the best picture of the year, every year, it has to stand past time. 50 years down the road, people need to remember Green Book if it's really that good of a movie. People remember Casablanca. People remember Godfather. No one's going to remember the Green Book. <laughs> I don't think I'm not, I mean, I might now that I made this article, but if I didn't make this article, I would have been like, what's green book. I would have never watched it. So green book should be different. If it's going to win the best motion picture of the year, it's got to be culture altering. And it's not, 
It's not an outstanding film. It's a great film, but it's not outstanding. It has to it has to be different than its competition, more than just the fact that it's intersectional. I mean, that's why I won, comparing it to the films that I stated at the beginning, Bohemian Rhapsody, Black Klansman, Roma. Those are all about political issues that apparently are happening today. But the one minor detail that makes this movie different is the fact that he got in trouble with another man in a YMCA shower. And that short three-minute scene made this movie the best motion picture of the year, I guess. So it's just a little, little frustrating. So it has to be really different. And this has been, I mean, this has been a disappointing trend for the last few years. Just meh winners. That's what I call them, meh winners. And here's, here's, a, here's a list of some of them. I'm running out of time. But here's a quick list of some of them. The Shape of Water, last year's winner. That, that will stand past time for all the wrong reasons. It was weird and gross, but it was different. People are going to remember that movie, unfortunately. <laughs> but the, I think the title will be forgotten. You know, 15 years down the road, when people ask, hey, what was the best picture of 2017? As if they care, someone's going to answer and be like, oh, hey, I think it's that one about the woman who has sex with a fish. Uh, oh, yeah. And then they look it up and like, oh, it's the shape of water. Yeah, 2017 winter, guys. And then past years, Moonlight, never heard of it. Spotlight, also never heard of it. That's probably on me, not on, not on the liberals. Um, Birdman, I've heard of it, and I heard it was good. But I, I also saw the nominees that year for Birdman, and the other nominees was American Sniper, Boyhood, Whiplash, and a few others. And although I haven't seen Birdman, I definitely agree with those three, American Sniper, Boyhood, or Whiplash. I've actually never seen Boyhood or Whiplash, but I know them enough from like watching YouTube videos that I know what they're about and I know that they're really, really, really good films and they could stand past time. I really think Whiplash in American Sniper will. Boyhood, I don't know much about Boyhood to know if it'll stand past time. But Whiplash and American Sniper, I believe, will go down as classics. So it's been five years since a good win. What is that, 2014? Uh, Birdman was 2015, I believe. 12 Years a Slave was 2014. I also haven't seen that movie, but I also heard really good things about that movie. 2015, I was 15 years old. I didn't care about the Oscars, so I didn't see it. Uh, and then, then The King's Speech was nine years ago, and that's nine years since I remembered, like a really remembered Oscar winner. The King's Speech was big. I remember when it was big, and it was nine years ago. I was 10 years old, and I remember The King's Speech. But the whole point of that was the Green Book doesn't even compare to those films. And here's a list of other films that it's never going to come close to. Gladiator, Hurt Locker, Casablanca, Lord of the Rings, Titanic, Braveheart, Forrest Gump, Schindler's List, Silence of the Lambs, Dances with the Wolves, Platoon, Gandhi, Driving Miss Daisy, Rocky, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, The Godfather, The Godfather 2, Oliver, The Sound of Music, West Side Story, Hamlet, and Gone with the Wind. Those are incredible movies. I have not seen them all, but I've seen a majority of them, and they are incredible movies. Those are movies that are going to go down in centuries. 
it's going to be it's going to be 3000 in in one year 3001 and people are going to be saying hey let's let's get together for movie night and let's watch Forrest Gump and people are going to be like are you are you serious we don't even have a dvd player we got rid of that 50 years ago Siri just turned on and they're still going to watch it they're going to find some way to watch it but no one's going to remember green book so there's my little spiel on on that i i had more i kind of went on a rant i'll just say this really quickly what i like about the film i really like the personalities of the characters there were good personalities we have an italian and a black man and i thought i thought it was a good mix it really felt like uh, uh donnie brasco taxi uh what was the other movie there was one other movie that i thought this movie was a lot like Shoot, I can't remember. But I felt like you had a blend of like a bunch of different movies. You know, an Italian mobster guy. Uh, they're all they're doing is driving in a car for a lot of the film. And it, I don't know. It was it was kind of cool just seeing how their personalities were fit in just this small little setting of a of a car going through the deep south. And I really liked the pace of the movie. It was it kept going. It wasn't boring. I didn't, I didn't think it was boring. So it was good. And the dialogue kept it going. I really liked the dialogue. The script wasn't like incredible, but I thought it was real. And neither character spoke in some unreal realistic English and the accents were pretty acceptable. And I enjoyed the developed friendship. It was it was good. It was heartwarming to see. And I, and I did like that aspect. So I ended on a, on a pretty good note. Yeah. And there's a lot of dislikes. I mean, I have a lot of dislikes, but I'm not going to get into them. Instead, I'm going to tell you about my website. I have a website, radicalthoughts.net. Check it out. I post on there as often as I can. I'm a very busy person, so it's not weekly. It's only when I can right now. I'm going to try to get it on a weekly basis. Check it out, radicalthoughts.net. Check out my article, Green Book, Oscar winner. Check out my other articles. I have articles on religion. I have other articles on politics. I have some off-topic articles. And the whole point of Radical Thoughts is to put uncomfortable thoughts into the comfortable mind. It's to put comfortable thought, uncomfortable thoughts into the comfortable mind. Tune in next time. Peace.